You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. This is the Thunder Quack Podcast. The official podcast of Thunder Quack Podcast Network where anything can happen. So strap yourselves in and hold on to your butts. It's Thunderquack time! Hello and welcome back to the Thunderquack podcast, the official podcast of Thunderquack.com, which you can get early every Tuesday over at Patreon.com slash Thunderquack, just like our Patreon producers, Brian Murawski, and JJ Samuel do, or you can wait and get it late every Friday on podcast services across the galaxy. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen. And I'm your other host, Amanda Conkin. Uh, and uh, you know what? I it, This is amazing. The, um, the, 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 the sporting event that shall not be named because <laughs> it's it like, like Voldemort. It's like, we're not allowed to say it anymore. Yeah. yeah. I guess you're only allowed to say the big game. Because if yeah. you say the actual thing, then you have to pay a corporation a bunch of money because they own it. And it's like, but if they're saying it, it's to promote your thing. It's like, yeah, but but we want money. And it's like, but that's how you're going to get money. But they don't understand it. <laughs> In any case, uh, it's dumb because they also uh, they also think that kneeling is unpatriotic. So um, it's the whole thing. That's not what we're going to talk about this week. I normally the episode after that we would have all sorts of new stuff to talk about oh yeah there were trailers and stuff yeah there were two things that i know of i haven't seen anything uh there were i I don't even think that there were any commercials or anything worth talking about but there's a falcon and the winter soldier trailer that dropped and there's a 30 second tv spot for ryan the last dragon that has a little bit of new footage but both of those things happen next month and I could care less about discussing them because we know that they're going to be good. So I, the one thing that I have heard that I haven't looked into was that Timothy Chalamet was Edward Scissorhands' son in a Super that's, Bowl ad. That is the, that is literally the only commercial that I have seen called out anywhere by yeah. anyone. Yeah. And I think Me it's too. because there's a marketing campaign to promote the commercial. Oh, um, the, the uh, I did there were there's also like the um and this is a little bit more of a controversial one is that like I uh, uh, Uber Eats had a commercial where they paid uh, uh, Mike Myers and Dana Carvey to reprise their roles as um, as as uh, Wayne and Garth nice. and uh, I can't remember who the other person is that they brought into it but the, some some famous person and I uh, and people are like, yeah, so they spent however many millions of dollars for this TV spot because that's how much it costs just to get the TV spot, just to get the airspace, uh, uh, airtime to, to to put your commercial on in the first place. And then on top of that, they got to pay Mike Myers to do a thing, which right. doesn't come cheap. Dana Carvey is probably just, he'll do it for the free pizza on set, but <laughs> um, it's not got a lot going on. But I... I in any case, like they like Uber Eats spent all of this money to make a commercial to tell everybody to to support local restaurants 
during the pandemic. Meanwhile, they're killing local restaurants by taking 30% of their profit (laughs) on every transaction. So uh, that's my way of saying don't use, look, I'm all for it. Use Uber Eats, use uh, Skip the Dishes, uh, DoorDash, use those things because the, the, the delivery guys, delivery people, I should say, they uh they absolutely uh i you know are working for for their tips and stuff i if you can maybe tip them in cash i don't know that's weird because i don't we don't have cash in this house ever yeah i but i just because i think if it goes in through the app then the company is probably taking a portion of that tip or something but it's it's it becomes a weird thing i'm sure but i i don't use those apps to support local business that might sound weird but here's the thing just call the restaurant (laughs) just call them and they will take your order and then just get in your motor vehicle put on a mask uh and and then go to the place and and then get your food and bring it bring it home to you now i that might be a little bit um uh I, uh, I don't know what's the word. I uh, reductive, privilege. No, privileged. privileged of me to say because yeah. like not everybody has a can do that. has yeah. a car that can go do that. But I'm saying if you have the ability to do this, then do this because a lot of restaurants will actually like give you a discount right now if you place an order directly with them because they're like, well, we'll give you 10 percent off because then we're still making more money than if we. If you yeah. order through Skip you, the Dishes yeah. or Uber or whatever, right? There's a um, there's something as somebody who just ordered from Skip the Dishes last night, I guess BC has some sort of thing where they've put a cap on how much these yeah. companies can charge. I think it's fifteen percent in in BC. So now they're right. now they're charging yeah. me directly an extra dollar for my order. <laughs> that and I honestly, that's the way that it should work. They yeah, shouldn't be charging then, the restaurants. Yeah, the restaurants should them. should the restaurants are a service provider that this app. That these apps, these services are making money off of the backs of. Yeah. They shouldn't be charging the restaurants at all. It's my choice to sit on my butt and not go get it myself. Uh, exactly. And I decided that exactly. it was worth an extra dollar, so I did. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so. If 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 I'm gonna do it, then I'll pay the five bucks, right? Yeah. Like yeah. I yeah, put it into the delivery fee. But also the stupid hidden fee of like it's like, oh, it's it's two fifty for a delivery right now from this restaurant. And then you get in and you're like, okay, I did the math. Why is it an extra five dollars? Oh, there's a five dollar service fee on this one as right. well. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, well, just put that in the delivery free fee up front so that I know how much money I'm spending. Yeah. And you don't like blindside me at the at the end. But the majority of people, I think, don't pay attention to that for one reason or another. And so it obviously works for them. And as we've talked about before, corporations gonna corp. Uh, you can't stop them they 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 they're going to do the easiest thing to make the most money um they're not going to be responsible about it unless you regulate it but i but as i was saying like go ahead use doordash use uber eats whatever use it to order from like mcdonald's or (laughs) you know like kfc or taco bell or whatever right like like use it like the corporations that can that can handle that because their profit margins are so high because they work on an economy of scale where like they're paying like a penny per hamburger that they're sending out right like like that's fine 
McDonald's will be okay. But the small mom and pop like local restaurants support them by actually getting off your butt and and going to them because uh, they're th- that's the actual good food. <laughs> like that's yeah. yeah. Like if if we don't support those, then all we'll be left with it's like in the movie Demolition Man. Have you ever seen Demolition Man? Uh, no. Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes, Sandra Bullock. I, you have probably avoided it because on the surface it looks like an action movie. And I know you like action movies, but like, it looks like a sort of dumb nineties action movie. I, but it is actually a pretty hilarious comedy action movie. Um, and I think that you would actually, I think that's why I've stayed away from it though. It's not just like a, it's not just, it's like parody esque is what I get the sense from that one. And that's what uh, not quite. That. It's just the future is ridiculous. And Maybe one of that's... the things that's ridiculous about the future, it's if it's parodying anything, I think it's parodying back to the future, too, where we go to the future at the beginning of the movie for 15 minutes. And it's like, oh, look at all this crazy stuff. It's so cool. And then in Demolition Man, he gets frozen. He ends up in the future and finds out that all restaurants are now Taco Bell <laughs> because of the fast nice. food wars of the late 90s. Uh, and Taco Bell won the fast food wars. So now all restaurants are, are Taco Bell. Uh, fun fact, in Europe, they don't have Taco Bell, or at least they didn't in the 90s. Maybe they do now. But at the time, they didn't have Taco Bell. So they literally they literally shot every reference to Taco Bell twice. And like they shot one version with Taco Bell and a version with Pizza Hut. Huh. And and there's a European Pizza Hut cut of Demolition Man uh, that is the same movie. It doesn't affect the plot, but they thought like, oh, this isn't going to play for overseas audiences that don't have Taco Bell. So uh, and so they made two versions of the movie, which is just the most absurd 90s thing i've ever heard in my life because it's like because there are a lot of scenes where there are like like neon signs for taco bell and stuff like like there's like like they go to an actual taco bell sort of thing and i they would have had to completely redo that set and make it a pizza (laughs) hut instead right and it's like that's a that's a lot of hours of work (laughs) like that's a lot of set deck and like anyways uh demolition man is a great film and everybody should watch it it's a lot of fun i all of that is just to simply say that there's nothing really to talk about in terms of news or anything like that i don't think um so we're gonna just talk about a movie we're just gonna talk about a movie which is so fun if, if you read the title of this episode before you listen to it I don't know if people pay attention to the titles. I put a lot of time and effort. I know you do. Titles. I pay attention to the titles because okay, I'm always I curious what you're going to title them. So um, this one's just going to be space sweepers reviewed because that's all we're going to do. We're just going to talk about space sweepers uh, or as it was originally known spaceship victory, which is a way better title. Uh, <laughs> but that's the, I, that's the Korean title is spaceship victory. Um I, which, uh, I I don't know. I Space Sweepers doesn't sound like something that I want to watch, but Spaceship, Spaceship Victory, Victory sounds much cooler and more like something that I want to watch. I mean, you gotta I, like wonder like what's going on with that kind of rebranding, right? Where you're like, what focus group told you that? <laughs> I this is the thing is that is that I think Netflix is targeting rightly, intelligently, a different audience than us. 
Because uh, you yeah, and I that's are going to watch it. this. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We're going to watch it based on the content, not based on what it's called. Right. And we seek this sort of thing out. So when Netflix is is uh, showing stuff and it's coming soon, or we're on Twitter or Facebook or, or other social networks and stuff, and we see a clip or a GIF or something from something that looks like rad sci-fi that we've never seen before, we're going to actually dig and go like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. What's this thing that everybody's talking about? Um, I'm going to watch this trailer, right? Uh, but what the, who they need to grab with the title are the people who aren't going to do that. And so yeah. Space Sweepers probably tested well with those types of people, um, whoever those people are. I... I will say I'm. They're really not gonna like the movie, but, the, but I mean, that's yeah. But I'm so stoked. So for me to come to like how I wound up watching this movie is that uh, like a month ago or a month or two ago, I was just looking through. Uh, actually, no, maybe I got a targeted Netflix ad. I just sometimes I'll look at the coming soon things and I'll actually like watch the trailers and my Netflix coming soon. Like when I'm on my phone, sometimes they'll show up. And I actually did see the trailer for this like a while ago. And I was like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. that is totally my jam. But also Netflix knows me because they're the reason that I watch Korean dramas to begin with because of Boys Over Flowers being like a targeted thing to me like years ago. And that like sending me on this path that I've never been able to fully recover from. But like the lead of this movie is from uh, Descendants of the Sun, which is one of the most popular Korean dramas in existence um and it's so good and i love it so much but anyway so netflix sort of knows that i'm probably gonna watch this kind of a show anyways but i forgot about it and then the reason i watched is i was was like oh yay i'm so excited when this comes i'm gonna watch it but then it's because greg posted about it on his facebook and was like hey space sweepers like watch space sweepers and i was like oh man netflix why didn't you remind me today that this came out i was actually kind of upset that i had been on netflix earlier in the day and netflix did not recommend this as one of the things that I should be watching. And I was a little mm. bit like shocked from it, but it, it does sort of prove that point that like, yes, I've found out about it through other people that were posting on their <clears throat> own pages. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, it all, all makes sense again. Did you, but it were you also out. getting that, that where there was like multiple people that you know that were like posting about it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, now, I mean like I, I, I'm going to say that I think the first person who talked about this that I know of was you. Uh, I think that you think that you might have shared this or sent it to me or something of that sort. Uh, And 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 you've talked about I think you may even have talked about it on the podcast before. Oh, potentially Um, where I was like, hey, there's this cool rad thing coming out. That's totally my jam. Um, That said, like I, I, you know, since since I I, last year when I made all of the Raylos upset and then (laughs) and then became friends with a bunch of them. Um, and then joined them uh, on the on the Raylo side. I many of them, like you, are mm-hmm. into Korean dramas, right. and yeah. uh, and so as you can imagine, many of them, like you, are excited about this movie. Mm-hmm. And so uh, a, a few of them, but but in particular, two people who I trust uh, very much on their opinions on on uh, sci fi and fantasy. I, uh, Marie Claire Gould, who hosts, uh, what the force and, uh, and Ty black who, uh, who does the wit and folly, uh, videos, I uh, that, that I've recommended 
previously on the podcast if if people want to dig into like myth and star wars and stuff uh her her videos on uh on youtube are are incredible wit and folly like go 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 watch all of them now um they both uh loved it and uh and uh, along with many other people and so i was like okay i'm i'm gonna watch this and then last night you were like hey can you watch this movie so we can talk about it on the podcast? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch it tonight. So, which I never do. I'm so pleased that, okay. I, it was like, the, it's like the first time that I've been like, Hey, I have a topic for conversation tomorrow. Let's yeah. talk about it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so yeah, that's what I mean. Like I, it's one of those ones that I probably would have put on my list and then maybe gotten around to eventually at some point. Right. Yeah. But because, um, but because there were so many people, saying like you gotta watch it you gotta watch it you gotta watch it um i i i went out of my way uh so yeah it, it's i i i don't know g- give me give me your review first i want to hear what you thought of it first okay i mean i was so unexpectedly fun like the best surprise for me was that it wasn't a Korean movie, it was like a multi-ethnic movie, which I thought was kind of cool that it's, I mean, it is, I mean, it's star like the, the leads are Korean, but the, the yeah. thing that was unexpected for me is that I thought it was a Korean movie. I didn't know that it was a movie starring Koreans, but with a bunch of other languages featured in the film, in the film. And so that was like really yeah. weird to me, like, cause in the opening scene, he approaches a woman who speaks English and I'm kind of like, wait, what is happening? And then everybody like winds up being like, like multiple languages throughout. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, what a fun sci-fi depiction. Because for me, that's the stuff that makes sci-fi great is when you're like, if this is a futuristic earth, like what are the things that would slightly change? And universal translators is one of those things, right? If you have a universe that exists with technology to such a scope that they can build cities in the sky, then of course you're going to have universal translators and everybody can maintain their own sort of culture and, and, and language. And I just thought that that was really cool. So, so for me, like right off the bat, I was expecting like a neat Korean science fiction. And I don't watch a lot, like in terms of Korean dramas, I'm sure that they exist, but they're not really like, that's not, a genre that like it doesn't exist right like like korean dramas in space is not something that yeah i have watched before so i was really looking forward to this being like a because my favorite stuff is like you know science fiction in space and then it being mixed with a korean drama but the beautiful part about this is that it's not actually a korean drama it's a movie and it doesn't have the same romantic tropes as a korean drama so that is really like a misnomer when you're thinking like from a descriptive point of view for me this just happened to be a fun sci-fi film starring Korean people, which was unexpected to me and so exciting. Like that, like you you can get in, like the moment you get into it and you meet that crew. And actually I will say that part of this was colored by how Greg mentioned it on his Facebook page where he was like, hey, anybody that's missing the Firefly-esque, I feel like it was Greg, I'm pretty sure it was Greg. Anyways, that is missing like the, the Firefly-esque like feeling of a ship crew, check this out. And so I hadn't thought that way about this before I went into it. But then the moment that he said that, I was like, oh, what an interesting way to describe something that I thought was a Korean drama in space. But then having that sentence that he had said, like, Firefly 
like a Firefly-esque movie, I caught on to it like within the first like 10 minutes. I'm like, oh yeah, this is a ragtag crew of of space pirates. Like, and that, and to me, I'm like, that just yeah. set me up to transition my my expectations in a really positive way because that is what it is. It's a group of, of ragtag space people trying to make like their their own their own way in the world. And um yeah. There was zero love interest, which I loved. I mean, aside from, I mean, Pierre, who sort of like likes the captain, but like it wasn't in any way like. Yeah, that, there's a comedic. Like, there's, there's a comedic, comedic a comedic element who is to in it. Love with someone, but yeah, but it wasn't no at all. It was about the this this group of people like watching out for each other and and forming this sort of family. And I just thought that that like that is so fun. And I will say. I bawled my eyes out because I didn't get the turn. Like I didn't like the, the like last thing that was happening. I kind I kind of like just let myself sit back because they set it up. Is this a spoiler cast or is this just a review? I can we'll say save, save spoilers for I'll a little bit. We'll, like, so yeah. there's no, there's no spoilers now, but it's like going into it. I was like really invested in like, they set up the characters in such a way that I believed that they had certain things in mind and that's what they cared about and at the end of the day i'm like oh no of course that's what happened of course and it just it was really it was good i just i like, honestly there's like a moment in oh oh i'm gonna cry just like thinking about it where um yeah like anyways i just we'll i get in. I we'll get such, into the spoiler fun, but i had such a fun i had such a fun time watching that and for me the last time that a movie hit me like that and again, I think it's because I psych myself up to, I'm like, I'm going to sit and I'm going to watch the science fiction movie. The other movie I had a reaction in the same way was Interstellar. And that was a movie that I had very specifically been like, this is going to be a science fiction movie. I'm going to treat myself. I'm going to get my dinner and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch it. And then I just like got, was so engrossed in it that I was remember just like bawling while watching Interstellar. I couldn't tell you for the life of me. It's not a memorable movie. I can't remember what upset me in Interstellar. But I do just remember that visceral like, fun science fiction film that made me feel something. And I got that exact same thing out of this movie. And that's exactly what I wanted out of it. Like I just wanted to enjoy the heck out of it. And that's exactly what happened. And so I'm, I'm so excited to talk to you about it. And I want to know, cause you'll probably have more like detailed nuanced things to talk about. Whereas me, I'm just kind of <laughs> like, I just wanted to enjoy myself. <laughs> so. Totally. Um, yeah. I'll just, I'll just start this off by saying, uh, unpopular opinion time. I hate Interstellar. Yeah, I know a lot of people hate Interstellar. I it's I think that is an awful movie. I don't think that Christopher Nolan's made a good movie in a while. Um, I think that uh, I I I think he's he's uh, drinking his own Kool Aid a little bit too much, and uh, he's like like the difference between Christopher Nolan and M Night Shyamalan is is uh, like a hair like a hair's width like it like like there's like a thread between those two filmmakers yeah um and look don't get me wrong christopher nolan makes much better films than m night Shyamalan, for the most part they make the exact same movies the exact same movies (laughs) i it every all of their movies are third act oh my god right like like and they all end with like a with like a but is it right like it's just like it's it's all the same stupid nonsense and jj abrams does a lot of the same stuff with his mystery box garbage that i'm just so done with i like there was a time and a place and it was the early 2000s where that was a way to tell a story and like that's not good enough anymore spectacle 
and uh, and and uh, and mystery boxes are not enough to make a story anymore. And I, I'm saying all of that and going off on that tangent because it's not a tangent. <laughs> Space okay. sweepers is the opposite of that. It's nice. the opposite. Uh, everything that you need to know in this story is explained by the movie without exposition. I mean, like there is exposition, obviously, because it is sci-fi. So there's, there's a, a of, it's actually, yeah. there's a little tiny bit of a fantasy element to it, but it's, it's mostly, um, uh, sort of, uh, pulp sci-fi adventure stuff. Um, but everything is explained through storytelling and very little is explained through exposition and even when there is exposition like any movie any good movie with a lot of exposition we just watched raiders of the lost arc last week uh with Kara for the first time which some people are probably going to think i'm a horrible horrible uh, parent but uh if you ask Kara, how do you feel about scary stuff she literally said to me tonight because I was, I was playing this video game control and it's it's a little bit like <laughs> uh psychedelic horror component to it and I, I was like, oh, like they, they got home. I'd been playing it before they got home. And I paused it. And she was like, what game are you playing? I'm like, oh, I'm playing that game that, that you're not allowed to watch me play. So I got to turn it off. And and she's like, why can't I watch? I'm like, because it's scary. And she's like, it's okay, dad. I can handle scary. Aww. <laughs> I was like Aww. in her little four-year-old voice, four-and-a-half-year-old voice. Um, she wanted to watch Indiana Jones. She wanted to know what the whole thing was about. And I was like, listen, there's some stuff in this movie. It's gonna be scary. Ra- I don't remember Raiders of the Lost Ark being scary. Being uh, I mean, like to Ark. a four and a half year old, the tarantulas at the beginning, the snakes in the middle, the people's faces melting and exploding. Okay, uh, these are uh, scary yeah, things sure. to a child. Yeah, that's true. I uh, but but uh, to her credit, not scared. We watched Temple of Doom. Wow. Not scared. Nice. Not scared. She didn't like the bugs, uh, which is uh, the appropriate that's response. That's, yeah, that's, that's the good. appropriate response. Good it's, job, she Cara. Gets it. Yep. She understands the point of a movie. Um, but I, I, Indiana Jones, we were just watching and, and it does the exact same thing with exposition, which is that like in Raiders, there's a, a huge amount of exposition at the beginning of that movie after he comes back to the university, but it works so well because a Harrison Ford is one of the greatest actors ever full stop end of sentence. Uh, and B it all works to establish who that character is. We are learning about the Ark of the Covenant, but we're also learning about, oh, he's not just an adventurer. He doesn't just swing around on a whip. He doesn't just punch guys and shoot things. And like, he isn't just, uh, you know, a uh, uh, bull whip Mick shooty guy right like he like indiana <laughs> yeah. jones is a professor of archaeology and that actually means something he's doctor in that one just dr jones we don't get his his full name until the third movie um but uh we, that's when we learned that his name is not actually indiana i i because that's what they named the dog <laughs> and like but like it does all that and same here like all of the exposition moments or most of the exposition moments uh, are uh, Sullivan's moments, the the bad guy, uh, yeah, Richard Armitage. Yeah. yeah. And they all work to establish what kind of a villain he is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so 
it's fine. It's like, okay, we're going to spend a, a solid three minutes with him explaining about his plans for Mars, but it is all it's. And I love the way that they do it. Cause it's just this slow drip of like, here's a little bit of evil. Yeah. yeah. Right. He's like a, yeah. he's yeah. at first you're like, Oh, he's like a Steve jobs. And then yeah. you're like, Oh, I guess maybe he's a little bit more like an Elon Musk. Yeah. And then they're like, no, he's really more of a Jeff Bezos. And then it's like, no, he's a, he's a space Hitler, actually. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, this, this, is <laughs> this is all about eugenics, actually. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, it, it's, it is such a great, like, like, it's this thing of, like, the second you meet him, you're like, well, clearly he's the villain. <laughs> right? So I don't yeah. feel like, even, we're not in spoilers yet. I don't feel like I'm giving anything away. No, he, he's, he, he's clearly the villain. From from moment one, he's like all smiles and happy and whatever. Mm-hmm. And, this, and, then this, and then the reporter's like, I have some questions for you. And he's like all afraid to ask them. And it's like, so this guy is obviously, he wields a lot of power. He is the bad guy. Um, hmm. If there are if there are destitute people in this world and he is talking about building a new world where everybody can be happy, but it's only for the rich people. Yeah, that's your bad guy. That's your bad guy right there. Yeah. Um, but that kind of ties into like the, the reason why I think this is a great movie is that it actually has. A purpose. It exists for a reason. This right, story yeah. isn't just these characters are here and we want to get them to there and we're going to have some fun along the way. It is trying to express a lot about the ideas of the working poor and the 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 morality of the super rich and uh and 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 then also getting into some heady sci-fi stuff about obviously as I mentioned eugenics and uh, uh the destruction of our planet <laughs> because of our own actions and all of that sort of stuff which which is really cool but then this is the bow that wraps it all up. It's not about any of that. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. really not Yeah, as yeah. much as that is all so integral to the movie. What it's about is this family. Mm-hmm. And that is what makes it a great movie. That's, that's what makes this something that I love instead of just kind of liking. And don't get me wrong. I have a lot of issues. There's yeah, a lot. Yeah, I, yeah. And, and and Richard Armitage is at the top of that list. His performance, pretty awful. Yeah, I, I'm just gonna say that. Yeah, it wasn't the best. Like, yeah, it's it in in an American movie, it would be considered an awful performance <laughs> because this is a Korean production. I think that there's a little bit more leeway for the American actor to not deliver the best performance. <laughs> and I would say that because like, I think that there, there's, there was probably um, communication barriers and stuff like that. Like there were probably other challenges on that set that, that an actor like Richard Armitage, I, I would have a harder time overcoming a, a better actor. I think could have, could have you know pulled this off. I'm, I'm gonna. Are you hard pressed to think of what else he's been in? No, I well, I've been looking it up while I've been talking to you because I was like, oh, Richard Armitage. But I wanna, I wanna jump on that because it's yeah. been a thing that's a bee in my bonnet that I haven't investigated. But yeah. it's like a, it's like a rule in Korean dramas that white people can't talk properly, like they can't talk to, like you, can, like the performances are always really weird, weird for, and stilted, for, for, weird and stilted, and like. 
it's to the point where it has to be on purpose. Like there has to be something about the way it's being presented yep. that is like palatable. It's the way that they're being directed. And it, so it's, it, yeah, it's like. Absolutely. It's it's something where I'm kind of like, oh, because it's it's way less in this. Obviously, like I wasn't as taken out of it. Like there was a lot of points where I was it like, doesn't this, ruin like it doesn't ruin the yeah. movie. No, but like to the point where, but in Korean dramas, like it, it ruins it. Like any parts, the yeah. only people that get to speak regularly when they speak English are Korean actors who also are like fluent in English. And, and you yeah. can just tell that it's because it's like a point of or pride or just something like there's, it's like rare that you'll see yeah. people speaking in English in Korean dramas in a way that's not stilted or very intentionally. And it probably has to do with like understand like comprehension and like how it feeds into the overall like aesthetic of the, yeah. of the, of the show. So I'm like, I wonder how much of that is like an intentional, like, choice in this for his character and and i i I think i think all of it is is uh tone and uh and and direction um i think i think there are two two sides to this Mm -hmm. on the one side i actually kind of love it even though it is an awful performance because he absolutely plays an anime villain oh right like there there are moments where anybody who's watched evangelion uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, which is a pretty pretty well known uh, anime. I uh, the 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 bad guy is not a he's he is the bad guy, but he is also the leader of all of the good guys. Right. But Evangelion's a very complex show uh, to the point that it doesn't actually make any sense and is pretty stupid. But <laughs> I I that's there are reasons for that. That's a whole other episode. I. <laughs> But the 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 director of Nerve, uh, who is like the the sort of the antagonist of the series, even though it's about fighting giant monsters from outer space, um, he's really the antagonist, and he's the the protagonist's father, and he has these moments. I'm sorry, I think that I think that the printer has just started printing something. <laughs> is that what is that what that is? Yeah, That's and I'm wondering off. if it's actually gonna print print or if it's just <laughs> making acting sounds. up i'm probably about to get a text message from crystal that's like sorry um <laughs> I'm okay, i couldn't really it could, it's all good i couldn't i couldn't really hear so it's fine so i uh, anyways i there's this thing that he often does where he kind of turns his face down like he'll be looking and you can see his eyes and then he'll turn his face down and his glasses will like um like the glare will come over them so that oh, they're yeah. just white yeah. right and they do that in this movie a bunch and there's one shot in particular when we kind of reveal finally like like not finally but like with like a like like sort of not beating around the bush anymore that 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 Sullivan is actually the villain Right. Yeah. That, that not yeah. just that he is an antagonist, but that like he actually is going to start doing evil things. Mm-hmm. And it's this shot where like half of his face is in shadow and the other half of his face is lit. And he moves at one point and and the 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 glare goes across his glasses in a very anime way. And I was like, oh, so this is all intentional. He is playing that character right. archetype. Right. Um, and. So it comes across it comes across a little bit stilted, I think, to an American audience, to a North American audience, because we are used to our villains being a little bit more nuanced. But that makes sense. 
but yeah. that's not in 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 Asian storytelling it tend it tends to be a little bit more arch um and that's just a style thing like that's just that's just what that audience prefers um and it's it's I think it's one of the reasons why a lot of things don't translate over to uh to the Asian market I honestly think it's one of the biggest reasons why Star Wars doesn't work in China because in China your good guys are your good guys and your bad guys are your bad guys in a lot of stories. And um, in star Wars, it's, it looks that way, but then the story often kind of flips it at a certain point. And I think especially with the newer ones, like they don't really gel with Kylo Ren as much um, except in the last Jedi where he is a more interesting character and much more like a, a, an Asian anti-hero than uh, than than an actual villain um which is one of the reasons why that's all disjointed but i but yeah like i i I think that that those sort of um those disconnects of like like the like there's more arch characters and stuff like that as opposed to like more nuanced which is what we tend to deal with where it's like oh uh in an american story in a north american story we want the villain to be super relatable Right. There's nothing relatable about Sullivan in in this <laughs> story, right? Like he is he is out of touch. That's one of the things that makes him a villain. So there there is nothing relatable. Um, if you find yourself relating to him, it is only things that you don't like about yourself, right? Like, that um, sense. yeah. And that that works in a way, but is very different from what I think North American audiences are going to expect from a from a sci fi movie. Um, it's much more he's much more the type of villain that you would have expected in the 1980s and this actually a lot of this movie is very uh structurally 1980s but then obviously made with very modern very cutting edge effects uh man it looks the movie is beautiful like it looks great um oh yeah it's not just in terms of like like technical uh, uh execution but like the just like the art the art direction is fantastic like the color the the sort of um like the energy that's in every frame uh is is better than the majority of american productions it it, it is honestly what i wish star wars had more of it it um, does this this beautiful this beautiful sort of grimy, like the, 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 the class divide. Right. And like what technology does where it's like, how, mm-hmm. how do poor people, I did, I was just talking about how I haven't, I haven't watched it yet, but I just read the expanse, uh, like the, the novel yeah. and, um, well, Leviathan wakes or whatever, but, uh, and that it was in my head, I imagined what they were talking about, right? With their sort of like the gritty streets and you get one scene, I think in, um, rogue one where he's in that, like where, um, Cassian is finding another guy and then they have this stormtroopers and he winds up shooting the guy and yeah. running away. Like that sort of like grimy, like underground area of something where it's like, there's a certain population that lives here in these urban centers. And then everybody else lives in these beautiful spaceships in the sky. And I think that there was, there was so much, like there was a great part of that. That was really well, like what you're talking about visually, like the aesthetics for that was really clear. And we don't, cause we don't spend a lot of time in the clean areas, but you can clearly, you see that they exist and that's all you really need. Oh man. I'm just thinking now too, about the expositional storytelling 
and how th this was one of the best introductions to the the tone of the team that I'd seen. Like I was just like blown away by it because the introduction to these characters is you meet you meet him first, like the main the main guy on Earth, and you're like, oh, there's something something there, some sort of history. He's looking for a dead little girl and that's sad. Um, but you don't really know what it is, but you can see that he's poor and he, yeah. and like all this stuff. And you're like, oh, he's, but he's, he's like hero-esque and you're see, and then you go to the- He's got no the, shoes. <laughs> he's got no shoes. And you go to the sky and there's these like, this like bu a bunch of random space people doing something in space, which you find out later is grabbing the space junk. And they're all sort of like having a good time. And they're like, oh, this is easy because so-and-so aren't here yet. And they're, they're like, Wait, who is that? No, I thought that they weren't there. He was down on Earth the other like they do this like explain like where the the way that people are talking about this the the crew of of victory is so awesome because then they just come through and they're like, We got this. And then they just like have this awesome like action sequence where they like pay off that they're like really these badass space sweepers. And it just I just loved that. And I love that about sci-fi, like when you use action sequences yeah. to tell character driven moments like th that th that this team is well known and people know them and they're really good but then you get to it that they're still poor they're fighting they're like dealing with like once you're poor you're always poor because you always have to like spend money to fix stuff or spend money right like it just is sort of this beautiful but but it's just like a great way to to show something really fun and flashy but also at its core it's about what is it about this team that you establish that they're well-respected off the top? And that's important because it comes to fruition in the end. Like it's important that people know this team and that they respect them. And I think that that's really yeah. awesome. So I don't know. That's I, I, I sort of butt in about yeah. your aesthetic conversation to be about <laughs> character moments, but, but like even no, no, I, poster, but, like the colors of it, like, but it does, it does all kind of play into like oh, everything works well together. I think that's that's mm -hmm. one of the things is that it isn't just about the aesthetic. It isn't just about the characters. It isn't just about the plot. But these these elements all come together to be something bigger than the the sum of its parts, right? Right. And I think I think that there will be a lot of uh, uh, parallels drawn to Star Wars. Um, for obvious reasons. I mean, you can't really make a sci-fi fantasy adventure movie without people being like, well, how does this relate to Star Wars? Right. Especially yeah. right now. Um, and I think, I, I, I think one of the things that, that, um, that this movie does well is that like it, it, it doesn't shy away from the, the like the character components of it in the way that I feel like the last Star Wars movie did. Whereas like the 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 they replaced characters with cartoons in Rise of Skywalker, right? Like Burn, Finn doesn't have an yes. arc. Yeah. Poe doesn't have an arc. Ray doesn't have an arc. Kylo doesn't have an arc. Like nobody really changes over the course of that story. Oh, don't get me wrong. All of a sudden, Kylo Ren goes from being Kylo Ren to being Ben Solo, and we're all very confused as to why. And Ben right. Solo is great, but like how he comes back is like so. I don't. What was it? Was it that he was stabbed? What it was it that Leia gave her life to bring him back? Like, like 
it, uh, and if you have that many questions, then the storytelling is not clear because they didn't care about the storytelling. They just cared about getting you from sequence to sequence in that movie. <clears throat> this movie could be very similar, but it's not. I mean, like, I think that a lot of people are probably going to come away from it going like, wow, the middle of it kind of drags a little bit. And if you're not familiar with Asian storytelling, then then I think that that's how you're going to feel about it. But if you watch anime, if you watch uh, uh, Japanese, Chinese, Korean movies, you know that like actually like the second act tends to be way more character focused, um, which is which is true of most storytelling. But American filmmaking has gotten to this point of like, no, we got to move. We got to move. We got to move. Everything has to be Fast and the Furious. And don't get me wrong. I love the Fast and the Furious, (laughs) right? Those movies are great. Mission Impossible movies are great. Not every movie needs to be that though, right? Like not every movie is about getting us from one sequence to the next sequence. Sometimes it's about a little girl drawing cartoons, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and and getting to know and and falling in love with with each of the characters in this crew because if we don't do that we never fall in love with with uh what's her what what's the the little girl's name dorothy uh uh or dorothy Co- yeah Cottenham. yeah Cottenham. i we never fall in love with her so we don't care what happens to her right, right? yeah and if if we don't connect to her really quick Mm-hmm. And then spend time with her. We never care about the rest of the crew yeah. because the rest of the crew doesn't care about each other that much. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Until this girl comes in and makes them take, takes them from being a crew to being a family. Right. Yeah. And that's the journey of the story. We're, we're going to get into spoilers now. So if you do want to go watch the movie and don't want to be spoiled, I would say probably stop now, go watch it, come back and listen to the rest of this later. Cause, and I recommend now, it. Go watch it. It's good. Oh it's yeah. Fun. Definitely go watch it. It's Cause fun. We can't really talk about that transformation without talking about where it ends up, right? right. And yeah. and specifically talking about um, uh, uh, Taiho, who the the main character, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Who, when we meet him, we think he's, I uh, I uh, just you know uh, this uh, s- sort of scummy trash collector right that's just doing whatever he can to make money and then we learn about his origin story and and we don't the thing one of the things that i love is that we don't get this all at once we get it in pieces um and then eventually by the end of the movie we have the whole picture i where like at first we 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 just kind of figure out like okay he's looking for this little girl why is he looking for this little girl and then we learn that oh that's it's his daughter kind of but it's this girl that he adopted because he murdered her family her family yeah at the behest of uts right at Mm -hmm. at this corporation because he was one of their soldiers and then at a certain point in the story it's revealed he wasn't just one of their soldiers he was like the first one yeah like like he was he was their 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 first like ace pilot super soldier. He's basically their Captain America, like <laughs> like he was bad guy Captain America, and and they made him do this stuff. And he was like, he he basically uh, grew a heart, and uh, and and then 
and they do it know, like uh, they do it in this on it. in this beautiful way where there's never any um it's never ambiguous if the corporation is a bad guy and yeah. that's sort of this beauty that they don't try to make him oh i didn't understand what they were like they when they go in like when he's killing the woman right it's like the indoctrination like they do talk about the indoctrination right and that he, yeah. how he was like young and and didn't have family and he went into this but it's like they knew what they were doing they were killing like families and it, it took this little girl to change who he was but he stayed in it for a couple more years and and granted like he couldn't kill people in the same way but it's like this beautiful sort of cut and dry like this corporation is a terrible corporation and there's yeah. no and that like leads to sullivan being again what you're talking about like that sort of like very much this is the bad guy like this is what this is this story is about yeah which is which is which is great, and I, I do I love I love it so much that he it's not his biological daughter because it again what a great way to remove the love interest element right it's not that yeah. his wife died and he had to raise his daughter right it's what a beautiful way to get around that right that he found this like the, it's like a, like a sort of like completely changing the refrigerator girl narrative right where it's like. Yeah. It wasn't even, it wasn't even anybody that he cared about, but he came to care about them because it reflected upon it, his own, it, like. It, it's a, it does what Rise of Skywalker tries to do over three movies in one movie. Right. And it does it by introducing us to the, to the villain who becomes a hero as the hero. <laughs> Right, right. right. He's yeah. a, he's already he's not quite a hero, right? He's sort of in that Han Solo space. Yeah. But we're introduced to him in this place where it's like, well, he's already left that world behind. He's already decided that he doesn't want to be the bad guy. Yeah. We don't know that yet, but then like we learn it, and it's it's only because we learn that that we can then understand his decision to actually be a hero and, and not just be out for his own self-interest or I mean not a, really his own self-interest but well in but, a sort of selfish way trying to to recover his daughter right like and but that's and that's the thing too they don't they give you an op they give him an opportunity where I thought he had changed enough by the halfway point in the movie or the mm -hmm. I guess it's like three quarters right where they're confronted and Sullivan comes on breaks onto the ship and and yeah. kills everybody and it's right just, after they've sold the tomatoes right yeah right, right which right, is and sort of the moment where you go like oh he does he's, love he, this he like girl. cares like he's he's a yeah. different person in that moment he gets offered the money and you're like no no he's a better person he's not going to take it and you're like oh no he still takes it like it's like he hasn't quite <clears throat> his growth hasn't progressed right like he still yeah. is the same character that you saw at the beginning of the movie and he was he's very reluctant to come out of that because it's been such an identity for him for so long that all he wanted was this money to achieve this goal that he didn't care who he was right and then it's when he reads the book from his daughter where he's like oh no that's not what matters it matters like what i actually am it's not just what i do right it's not like this trajectory that i've been on i have the ability to to be good for things other than this girl i saved because i think there was there was so much that it wasn't just about her like his his daughter as like a person he had to protect it was like a like he imbued with her with like choices that he was making to become to try to become a better person and he never actually had to be a better person like he was gambling and he didn't pay attention to her and like that's the reason why she died right is that he didn't actually yeah. right like he he wasn't a, a good person 
he had somebody that he was taking care of that made him feel like a good, like he, he was making different choices, but he didn't actually become a good person. And that really is, I think the beauty of that, of that arc is like letting him sit in that for a while and him having to realize that on his own and that there's nobody else that, that gets him there. Right. So I, I, I think there's also an element of it that they, the, the system that they live in this, this society that they live in bends and breaks people. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. And, and so it, it made him do things that he wasn't proud of and that he could no longer do. So he stops killing for the company. Right. So they fire him. So then he has no money. And because he has no money, he has to become this desperate person who's gambling and whatever to try and make money for them to survive. Because it's, it's one of those situations where like I, you couldn't even work if you wanted to really. Right. Like, as we see, even though they work, they're still, the more they work, the more money they owe. Like they just they just pay off debts to pay off debts, um, and so I think that at a certain point he realizes that if he's really going to, because because I think like he looks at it and, and and if I, it's a little bit confusing. This is the only place where, and maybe I just missed something, but like if he if they recovered her body in time before it left orbit, they could bring her back to life or he could just bury her properly. Like, I, I don't know what yeah, the I, motivation was entirely. Yeah. Because it's like, well, how? sorry, how long has she been in orbit, like floating around in outer space? Like, what is the technology here? Like, yeah. like I understand, like, they can track her down somehow. And if they do, then, like, then he gets her back. I I, I don't, it, it wasn't super clear what the stakes were. I hate using that word now, but... No, but I know it's mean. just like so overused, but like it's just, it, it was a little bit unclear. It didn't matter, though, because what mattered was that that was part of the system that yeah. the corporation set up. Yeah. Right. Is that like they put people in these really dangerous environments and uh, these accidents are bound to happen so much so that there's a there's an economic system for recovering <laughs> your lost ones like yeah. like like for yeah. recovering lost family members i uh, but only if you're a citizen otherwise you got to pay cash up front yeah and it's like so the the morality of this system is all messed up because they have the technology to save people they have the technology to fix earth they have all of the means to do all of these things but the super rich want to maintain the fact that they're super rich yeah. And so like there like a lot of people I think are looking the other way at a lot of stuff and then there and then other more malicious people like Sullivan are taking advantage of that. Right? And yeah. he decides that he's not going to be a part of that system anymore. Like to me that's why that's that's ultimately the decision that he makes is is that the system that created the scenario with the two of them in the first place from the beginning all the way through to its conclusion is the problem and get bringing her back isn't going to change that and the money's not going to change that right because he's still not going to be a citizen and he's still like they're still gonna live in this unjust world and everything's still going to be messed up and broken and sullivan's going to do evil things with this little girl um and 
that's he realizes like no if i'm going to be the person that i wanted to be for uh for my daughter then i actually have to let her go right and so he has to let go of that selfish thing and and accept the situation um in order to then be willing to sacrifice everything because the because the other heroes i i uh tiger park uh uncle tiger uh, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the the captain, uh, Captain yeah. Jang and uh, and Bubs, they all when he says like like when he's got the money, they're all like, we don't want the money. Like that yeah. money is like the cost of that money is is a little girl's life. Right. Like that's like we're going to go save Cotton M no matter what does I we don't we don't care. Right. And we're probably going to die. Yeah, because they have a different sense of morality than him for sure, yeah. right? Like that's yeah. that's part of it as well. Like um, the, where they came from is is different. And he comes around to that, and then he comes yeah. back, and does it? I, I think he dumps the money into the thing for them. Yeah, to up which I'm fuel. like, why? That just seems no. Yeah. <laughs> what a waste! But, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. But yeah, it's just it's his journey is obviously central to it. But I love that that we're surrounded with these other characters. We have. Uh, Bubs is a great character who's mostly there for comic relief, but ends up being this fantastic plant for I uh, I I I don't even know like like what what kind of a story would you talk would you call this like it is definitely an allegory for for trans uh, and so here's so there's there's like there's a, like. Go There's ahead. an I actually did. I'm glad that you're you're mentioning this. So it's the 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 character of Bubs, who I think was not I not once did I hear in Korean this robot called Bubs. I know that that's not the Korean name. Like it really bothers me. I want to know what the I'm trying to look it up mm. right now. Like what the translation is. It's obviously something that is like uh, like a like a like a nickname or not. It's not like a real thing that that the robot's being called. But that's besides the point. But well. It's voiced by a male character. And at one point during the movie, the robot is putting makeup on the little girl. And at that moment, the little girl calls the robot Uni, which is like a like a feminized term. And the translation is cis, which sure, that works. And I I'm just wondering if you got that, that that like the little girl called Oh her yeah, yeah, yeah. Cis. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, and- yeah, she 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 sees she sees Bubs for who she really for is, who which, she is. Which, yeah, yeah, which was like it's this this fantastic moment where she's like she blushes. Yeah, oh, <laughs> it's so because but before that we default obviously a because of the voice, the voice is yeah. very masculine, and then b because of mm-hmm. the the construction of the robot looks very masculine. But I think also because we're just we're just trained robots are yeah, boys, we're trained. right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And so it's this great turn where where she she calls her sis and then all of a sudden you're like oh cool like this is a this there's more to this to this robot character than just this harpoon right yeah yeah. um which is awesome but like yeah because she's like a sweet like like killer robot basically that yeah um and yeah it just it's and and where that where that story ends is just so perfect and i love it i love it so much um but I also love that too, like there is a certain amount that in in your brain it allowed me to deconstruct science fiction tropes a little bit because when you do see yeah. a robot, 
they're not gendered unless they have a female voice. And I find that really yeah. fascinating, right? Because like L3 gets gendered because of her voice, but yeah. like R2 is a guy <laughs> for yeah. no other reason than my sexist stereotypes of R2 being a guy. Like, right? Like it's like, so I love that it played with that, right? The idea that you have this robot that could be ungendered, right? Because robots tend to not, but that she wants to be gendered and therefore she is. And like talking about skin grafts. And I just think, yeah, it was a really cool, that that robot story was a, was really rad, especially because she was really badass as a robot. Yeah, like, yeah. And uh, and you can kind of tell that that doesn't stop. <laughs> like, yeah, like at yeah. the end of the movie, when she's still sitting on top of the ship and yeah. you're like, okay, so like, this doesn't change anything. The, yeah. her, her personality is still her personality. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I love it. Um, and then and then we've got like the Captain Jang and and uh, uh, Miss uh, Uncle Tiger, uh, Uncle Park, or uh, yeah. what they call him Mr. Park. And then she, the uh, uh, Cuttenham calls him Uncle Tiger. Uncle Tiger, uh, yeah. which uh, again i think is a there's probably some sort of honorific that, that went along with that that was translated yeah, yeah. In, a, in a um interesting well she calls she kind of calls them all all uh, uh with these yeah like these sort of nicknames um like so like the honorific and, and and that's the thing is that like it's a di- it's, it's different language than than english very much so in the in the sense that like there's there are different rules that don't necessarily translate because we don't really te- we don't really treat um the way that we refer to people in the same way uh because we tend to it's in, my most in, fa- it's the most fascinating thing about korean culture for me like the for the brief parts that i've learned is just like how yeah and it's it's actually it's very similar to to japanese as well like and, and obviously the languages are very similar um in a lot of ways but i like the the whole like the honorific uh, elements is very similar to Japanese as well, where it's like you you often don't even refer to somebody as their name. Like you only, unless you're familiar with them, you would you generally use honorifics and stuff like that to 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 talk about somebody. Like like a teacher, you would only call sensei. Like you you right. you wouldn't be like in the example of like let's say a famous sensei uh mr miyagi right like the fact that 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 uh uh, daniel always calls him mr miyagi it's like in in japanese it's like you just you would just call him sensei even though you're very close you would you would call him sensei as a as a, a sign of respect it's very similar right um but uh i I just love how like like towards the end of the movie, like the beginning of the third act, we get the reveals of the other characters' backstories. Um, right. Yeah. Like we learn about about Captain Jang, who was like this this uh, special forces uh, officer that like basically left to to try and kill Sullivan. Like that's yeah. that's her whole mission in life and when he busts onto the ship and she's like i'm just gonna like she's like finally like uh i've got a chance and she starts to activate the 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 bomb in her mouth and he pulls it out and destroys it and you're just like okay so she was willing to kill everybody in order to kill him like she's already there i didn't know that she activated it that was actually a question that i had because i when i was watching she she like like bites down on it 
Oh, okay. Because it makes a noise. It like makes a little beep, and uh-huh. then and then he kind of grabs her and stops her, right? Um, when he sees her, but because I think she was like she was like turning it on and then like waiting for him to get close enough, mm-hmm. but he kind of gets in there too quick, and and uh, it's a, a it's it's one of those things that it's like it doesn't really work if you think about it for too long, but it doesn't matter because it's just part of the story. Like just. Like you just get, you just let it go. <laughs> it's just yeah. part of the story, and I think this is one of those things with with Asian storytelling that I think American audiences often have a hard time with is that one of the ways that we criticize American storytelling is if there's a plot hole, everybody rushes to be the first one to point out the plot hole, so because that that tells everybody that you're the smartest person in the room and you watched the movie the best. And I don't find that that's the case with a lot of Asian storytelling. It's like, the, like there's so many plot holes in this movie. Like, I feel like so many, them out there's so many times where like, you're like, well, if you guys would have just done X, then why wouldn't have happened? But right? also like, why, how did why the don't nanos, you just do this or this? How did the nanos save them when the whole purpose of the bomb was that it wipes out the nanos? Exactly. That like, ultimately I'm like, is it that they threw in the extra line about the undestructible nanos being it, separate that's it. from that's, like her? Yeah. That, the, the, like, the Lang, the Lang gradient or whatever. Yeah, nanobots are yeah. different from the other nanobots. Yeah. Um, they can't be destroyed, but that was, but, go ahead. Now that we're in spoiler territory, I can talk yeah. about the one, like the moment was, and I'm just so impressed with myself that I kept it a secret from myself. <laughs> By not comprehending the movie. Like, I should have clued in halfway through that they were taking the bomb with them. And I just, like, don't know. Oh, they got you? They they got got me. A hundred percent. They got me. And I just, like, and it was so awesome because I fully let this huge thing go where I was like, oh, cool. They're just going to let the earth die. (laughs) Like, I literally, I literally was so invested in them saving this girl and yeah. not really, and being like, oh, somebody else will save the planet. Like something will happen, and they'll save the planet separately, and they're gonna save this girl. And it, so it like it was a really like I just felt so dumb, but it also like was so visceral by that point that like it was literally the moment where he's he made it to a certain point, and you're watching the map. Like I lasted a really fucking freaking long time on this. <laughs> yeah. That I just like he's like he's really like defeated, and he's like hey guys and i was like but why are you so sad you're gonna make it <laughs> and then i was like oh my god and i just like started like bawling my eyes out and i was like of course so i was like sullivan in that moment where i was like oh they took the bomb and then but then i had the like split second reactions where i was like okay how are they gonna get out this it's something to do with nanobots they'll be saved but i also allowed myself to be like maybe they actually will die like I let, because I'd gotten so yeah. far in the narrative that like I like it was all these beautiful like tricking myself and like letting myself just enjoy the movie as it went and I wasn't trying to like think it through and I think that that's the thing too where I was referencing in the beginning like my visceral reaction to Interstellar was because there's certain things that I just let it go and I just watch it for what it is and I let the yeah. information come to me as it's being given and that was what was so powerful to me in that moment is that I had let the information I had I had I had looked at it at face value I had been watching this as them escaping with this girl and they were going to outrun the blast radius. And like that to me was what was happening throughout that whole beat. And so the switch was so visceral for me that it just like was brilliant and I loved it so much. And it just made me, I like was like bawling. It was so great. 
See now, I it was the one point in the movie where it's like we we came all this way, and I was like, I was the opposite, where I was like, well, obviously they're just gonna take the bomb, and I was waiting for the reveal of like they're they're remotely piloting the ship. Ah, okay, right. Yeah, that yeah, like yeah, that yeah. he's gonna like rip open the cockpit to kill right uh, to kill Taiho, and yeah. it's gonna be empty. Right? right, and it's because like oh they're all st- they're back on in, in the factory right. control right. or they're on uh, Pierre's ship controlling it remotely or something like right. that, um, and so when it w- when it became really apparent of like oh no they're on the ship the ship's about to explode I was like I actually got kind of mad at the movie and was like you brought me all this way <laughs> to just tell me Rogue One again yeah, yeah. like like no yeah. I don't accept that. And then it happens, it explodes, and it immediately cuts back to uh, to Cottenham and is like, oh, oh, she okay. saved them. Yeah. Okay, yeah. how? And then they show us, and I go, okay, yeah, those were special <laughs> Special nanobots, nanobots or whatever. Were undis- but it's, I, I mean, it. I will, like, it, it was, not, I would have been upset watching it that way. I don't think I would have gotten the same thing out of it had yeah. I in any way thought through the logistical stupidity of them not having taken the bomb right like that but but there was so many parts that led to that that again under the right viewing circumstance you had to believe that they didn't care it's not like anybody on earth was established as somebody we should care about like really like in the way that movies set up like ooh, earth is like a a thing that you have to save or these people will die It, it was like a concept right like the idea that this evil corporation had one and now all they could do in this instance was like take this girl and and like save her and it was like the all of the pieces that had led up to that were me be me believing that they were selfish enough to not have come up with a solution to save earth <laughs> like there was just something in there where i was like they're gonna leave the earth saving to somebody else and they're gonna save the girl and mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know why i don't know why in my brain i didn't connect those things but again i, I think it was willful ignorance at that point in the in the film so um and i i just i love the end of this movie like the whole sequence at the end where we see them and like they've they got a new ship and it's like it's not like they now all of a sudden they're like they're they're in a different station in life they're still sweepers yeah yeah but they've got a brand new ship and they all their clothes are all clean and uh and, and Taiho has the shoes, which is <laughs> yeah. just like it's so good. He's just got the nicest pair of Nikes you can imagine. <laughs> and uh I and and Bubs has uh, uh transformed uh her exterior to match the interior. And you get like you said, you get that great moment of them looking at the at the new voices trying to choose them and and Cottenham's like, I like the voice that you have. Yeah. And uh it's just it. it it just it it uh, there's also like we haven't really talked that much about about um about uh Tiger Park but yeah. uh uh he was like a he ran like a drug cartel basically yeah. and was like this gangster and he had all these tattoos and I love how she just tells the story she's just telling the story at the end and she's like and uh Uncle Tiger got rid of all of his tattoos so that he wouldn't scare my friends at school and it's like these the characters are so transformed by this encounter um and and we obviously like like at the at the end of act two when when her father is killed 
it's a it's a gut shot, right? Because it's like because everybody else just gets killed unceremoniously, yeah. right? Like but you the think rest that the they're not going to kill him, maybe, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like maybe yeah. he won't he won't die, and then you have to watch. The beautiful part about it is that when he dies, it's it's what Teho is it's it's his reaction. Yeah, that is what you're watching. You're not watching the dad dying. It's it's how it is impacting Teho for like the like the reverse, right? Like he had been missing his little girl, and now he realizes that like that impact but it still isn't enough to make him not take the money there's like this not beautiful, yet, like, there's not this, yet, like yeah. it's not quite enough and i just like i do like that sort of progression as you as you go through but yeah like that was real i didn't think that they would do it but the good news is is that the moment he died you knew everybody else was safe <laughs> because yeah, they had yeah. killed the, all the people they were gonna kill by that point in the movie because if they had killed anybody else it would have been really upsetting. Although I did almost think that um, Tiger Park was going to die in the um, when he's fighting the new number one, but I liked that it was just that, like, the arm. I, I that's what that's one of those other things where it's like if if it if this were a TV show that would have that moment would have made more sense. Like that whole encounter would have made more sense. But because it's a movie, all of a sudden in the third act, you introduce that like, oh yeah, by the way, this lady is like the most badass robot space guard lady <laughs> now. And you're like, she hasn't been in the rest of the movie as far as I no, recall. She was. She was. She was um she was in the first scene. Like you they they got her because what I thought was interesting is that I had also gendered the uh the the space mechs like the the yeah, yeah, yeah. and the her face it opened and you saw her as a woman and i was like oh interesting it's a woman and but the voices are still male and i was just clocking on oh okay i, was, I, I was, so i, I just must have that. missed that moment i just must have missed yeah. that moment and because well, it, it was just, to me it was like why is this character being introduced only to die like yeah, like just yeah, just yeah, for yeah. this fight yeah. um, no she had, and, she had but been, yeah you do think that he's dead for a second yeah, yeah, but but that right. was something too where they could have didn't they didn't do a lot with her, but for me, and now that I'm thinking back on it, I'm like, oh, because again, the voice was was male, but it was a it was a woman inside. I just clocked it because of that. That I was like, oh, this they gave a face to the people inside of it because I also think that yeah, you yeah. learn about those you you don't learn about him being one of these space guards until after that scene. And so in that scene, it, it humanized the, it was like, there's a person inside this big, um, RoboCop basically. Yeah. Cause at, at first yeah. it's not clear if they're just robots or yeah. if they're people, right? Yeah. But yeah. no, so they did at the, like when they, uh, destroyed Cottenham, I'm using my little, uh, robot yeah, fingers yeah. there is that like, you do see that there's somebody inside that suit and it's her. So, but she's not like a big, like they don't make a big deal about it. I just, I just clocked it because she was a woman. So. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, it, it's, I, 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 yeah, I just, I love the, like the end of it and the, the, we get that scene with where they kill, um, where they kill her dad, but then the end of the movie, like that's sort of a tearjerker, but then the end of the movie when, when she connects, uh, uh, Taiho to his daughter, like one last time sort of thing. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and they can say goodbye. It's like, that was that way it's like yeah, they, that that was the moment of like you you brought me all the way through this story for this moment and that That's was fair. worth it that That's was fair. worth it because like like i get it i understand why everybody dies in rogue one but everybody dies in rogue one because they're not in any of the other star wars <laughs> movies that's really why everybody dies at the end of rogue one yeah yeah um 
And then they're like, oh, no, it's actually for this deep, meaningful reason. It's like, no, it's just a contrivance that you wrote into the script. (laughs) But I, I, it's, it's just, so I've, I've kind of been trying to figure out like, what is it about the new Star Wars that like some of, some of this new Star Wars stuff hits and some of it misses. And more often than not, I'm finding that's missing, especially with the movies. I mean, like, if we go there, there have been five movies so far, right? Three uh, uh, saga films and then Solo and, and Rogue One. And The Force Awakens is is a good movie. It's fun. It's fine, right? It, it does everything that it needs to do. I think mostly because Lawrence Kasdan wrote the screenplay. So I think like that, that takes it a lot of the way because he wrote Empire and Jedi. So he actually knows the world. He knows the characters. He understands right. how to tell a Star Wars story. So bringing him in to reintroduce everything was the right call and it worked really well. Ryan Johnson comes. I, I sh- I'll, go in, I'll go in chronological order because then... <laughs> And then Rogue I will one just happens. point out that you are the one that said you didn't want a podcast till 11 o'clock. So I'm going to yeah, stop yeah, yeah. and let you do your your end of the podcast ramp down with a Star Wars rant. I'm so excited. Yeah, for this. this is the end of the conversation. <laughs> Rogue One happens and Gary Whitta. So John Knoll came up with the idea who he's one of like the the um, he basically runs ILM at this point. Um, and he's been around forever. Him and his brother are the one who's the ones who created Photoshop. Like they, they've been in the image editing visual effects since 1977. So, uh, well, maybe not quite that long, but I, I like early days of ILM. Like, so John Knoll came up with the idea for Rogue One of like, oh, well, let's tell the story of the the team that stole the plans for the first Death Star um like what leads up into a new hope gary widow was hired to write the movie wrote the movie and then gareth edwards was brought in to direct it and then they rewrote the hell out of the movie while they were filming it and then disney kind of got involved and was like this is not what we kind of asked you guys to make we wanted a star wars movie and this is like a super bummer where everybody dies at the end and your lead character is incredibly unlikable can we change the third act so all of a sudden she's princess leia and they went we'd really rather not do that and then they went yeah but we're disney so we're going to tell you to do it anyways and so then they did that so that movie is incredibly horribly compromised and not really what the people who are making that movie were trying to make somehow in the midst of all of that kerfuffle, no one was paying attention to Ryan Johnson because it was just, he wrote and directed it. And there was this magical bubble around him um, that, that somehow, I think it's because of his personality. I think because he's so kind of unassuming and sweet that everybody just kind of went like, well, he's going to make an unassuming and sweet star Wars movie. And then he made the star Wars movie that kind of like up, and the whole franchise the most. Um, but he told a story that meant something to him. And he pissed off a lot of people as a result because it is a singular visionary direction. So that's what's going to happen. Um, but the movie has heart. Unfortunately, it's the middle movie in a trilogy and it doesn't really count for much because the movie before it doesn't really care and the movie after it definitely doesn't care. Solo comes in and that's Lawrence Kasdan and John Kasdan, his son going like John Kasdan was like, I want to make a star Wars movie after watching (laughs) his dad make the force awakens. 
Um, and obviously having sort of, you know, had the experience of his dad making the other two Star Wars movies with George Lucas and was like, I have an idea. Let's tell the origin of Han Solo. Let's do it together. So they wrote that as a father and son. And that's why that movie is awesome. Because like that, like that was two people who like they wanted to tell a Star Wars story. Um, it is a little bit conflicted because of all of the stuff that happened with the directors, but the screenplay is where it starts. And if you don't have a good screenplay, you're not going to make a good movie. I uh, and sometimes if you have a good screenplay, despite your director being Michael Bay, you can still make the island, which is an awesome movie. I. Yeah. Uh, because the screenplay is good and actually had a meaning like it actually had a purpose it it drove towards something and then obviously we get tross and 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 rise of skywalker is just a complete garbage fire because you've got jj abrams who didn't want to be there who was just doing it because they had nobody else to do it so he came back in and did it you've got chris terrio who's a terrible writer who didn't understand the purpose of the first two movies didn't understand what lawrence kasdan was doing definitely didn't understand what ryan johnson was doing and was busy counting all of his money from batman v superman that he shouldn't be allowed to keep because that movie is a god-awful mess um because because martha is the thing that that's because martha that's yep. what mm-hmm. <laughs> Chris Terrio writes movies like this. I know if their mothers have the same name, that's why they'll work together at the end. Okay. Now that I know how it ends, I'm going to work my way towards that moment and everything else in Batman V Superman is just to get us to that moment. Um, And then everything after that is just punching hard, I guess. (laughs) And then Superman dies. I, yeah, that's a bad movie. This is a bad movie. Uh, and and Rise of Skywalker is very similar. We just have to get to the moment where Ray puts two lightsabers together. <laughs> okay, well, who's that? Whose lightsaber is the other lightsaber going to be? I know it, it should probably be Kylo Ren's lightsaber. As uh, yeah, but we're going to have him throw that into the ocean for some reason. I uh, for some reason. Uh, okay, so somebody else has to have another lightsaber. Cool, 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 cool. What if Leia had a lightsaber because she was training to be a Jedi? Yeah, that didn't come up in either of the other movies. Um, But I guess let's go ahead and do that uh, so that we can have her with the X lightsabers so she can Dragon Ball Z Emperor Palpatine into oblivion because that's how you that's how you close the loop on a character who already died in 1983 and everybody was totally satisfied with that yeah but whatever it's like okay well if you get thrown down an elevator shaft you can survive but if you get x lightsaber lightning then you're dead uh only because you just made those rules up right now like you just made that up it could have been anything um my point being that when you look at the star wars movies that have been made since uh disney took over it's a mixed bag at best and it is a lot of like we don't know what we're doing we're just making movies to make money um which is not a thing that i like to say about disney lucasfilm a lot because i do think that there are creatives within lucasfilm that are working really hard to tell really great stories because dave filoni had a story that he wanted to tell with star wars rebels and he did and it's awesome and that series is super good and my favorite star wars of all of the star wars star wars rebels is my favorite and those characters are some of my favorite characters in the entire saga um and it's because like it's like there's a heart to it there's meaning to it there's a purpose behind it right right? 
And The Mandalorian season one, that's what it felt like. One of the reasons why I think season two is feeling a little bit weird to half of the audience is because season two all of a sudden became less about the story of Din Djarin and Grogu and started to become about, well, we got to, we want to spin off Boba Fett into his own story and right. we want to create this uh, new Republic series. So we're going to spin that off too. So we're going to, we're going to spend a lot of time with these characters to do that. And we're going to bring back this guy and this guy and this guy. And some of that storytelling is awesome, but also detracts from the main story that we're kind of focused on. Right. Um, and the, the purpose of it and the meaning of it kind of starts to waver a little bit. So I think like that, the, the thing about, the original star Wars movies, the first three is that George Lucas had stuff that he was trying to do. Like he had a story. He had something that he wanted to tell when he went back to do the prequels, love him or hate him. Doesn't matter. His heart's there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, and that's why I think they persist. I think that's why over the years people have softened to them because you know, the technology wasn't quite there yet. He was trying to figure it out. He was pushing, like through those barriers and and really focused on that stuff and not as focused on the performances and the storytelling and getting that stuff as tight as it needed to be that said the story that he told of the prequels is a hundred percent clear and is a great story if you take a step back from the way that we were told the story right like if you can just sort of remove yourself from the movies and just think of it as what he was trying to tell, like the story and the reason that the story exists beyond just getting Anakin from a little kid to Darth Vader, like, like this idea of the fall of the Jedi order and, you know, the compromise of, of blah, blah, whatever, the democracy falling apart, all of this stuff that he was trying to do. He does a really good job of it. And it's, it's actually really, really well told in terms of just that story by itself. Um, This movie has a heart, it has a meaning, and it has uh, a purpose to it. Uh, and and like, it actually has multiple purposes to it. It's got that whole anti-corporation, like, like uh, 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 you know, giving power back to the people sort of story to it. And then it has this found family story as well. And then it's sort of like like in, in the deepest layer, in the core of it, it's, it's Tai Ho's story of letting go uh of the mistakes of his past in order to be a better person in the future right and it it just like that's why it's good <laughs> it's right. like it's 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 built on the the foundation of like oh we want to tell a story that does these things that serves this purpose that actually makes the world a better place by telling that story um and I think like it, people are going to compare this to Star Wars in a lot of ways. And I, I get the sense that, that people are going to miss the mark a lot with it and not really, not really understand why a, why a movie like this succeeds in the moment when they put the call out to the sweepers and they all show up and you're like, hell yes. <laughs> and they start yeah. ripping apart the drones and you're like, this is awesome. It is literally the exact same moment as the end of rise of Skywalker yet at the end of rise of Skywalker, the culmination of 40 years of storytelling and the most money that anybody's ever had to make a movie, the most resources, literally they could do anything they want 
and we get a blue gray mess of a bunch of dots with lines on them kind of flying at stuff. And none of it means anything because we don't see inside any of those cockpits. We didn't have a connection to any of those characters other than Lando and Chewie and, and Poe, right? Like, like none of this means anything. And it all just, it's all just special effects. It's all just CG. And it's only important because literally the characters are telling us how important it is as opposed to this movie where it's like, well, we spent time at the beginning of the movie establishing that there's a rivalry between all of these characters that here comes victory and it's stealing the, the basically bounty right from everybody else. And they all hate them. They hate victory. And we go through the movie and it's like, everybody kind of just like spits on them because they're the best, but they don't like every, everybody's just competing. Right. Yeah. But then the end of the movie is, Hey, the corporation has been doing this to us. We are actually stronger together and everybody comes together and defeats the corporation. And it's like, awesome. That's, yeah, (laughs) it's, 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 it's transformative, right? Like it, it is, you come out of it going like, wow, if we all work together, maybe we could actually stop these bad things from happening. Um, And then we all go back to our lives and and forget about it very, very quickly. But it's nice to think about for a second. It is. And I do love the shout out to the actual like Canadian uh, ship that was in there as well. Like one of the pilots straight up had the Canadian flag on his chair. Oh, nice. I didn't notice that. Is it the guy with the with the like Letterman jacket, the red jacket? I don't remember what he looked like other than being generic white dude. (laughs) Okay, but well, there uh, there was really only like a couple of generic white dudes. And one of them was like Russian. One of them was Pierre and then one of them spoke English. So I think that's probably I felt like I felt like there was an absence of American ships. I I feel like. I feel like the reason for that is that UTS is USA. Oh, the citizens but there's a British, the but there's a British British guy that runs it, so they were careful there. Yeah, uh, it's you know what? After 145 years or however old he is, it might just be an affectation. Um, Maybe there seem to be other stuff going on with that character. I love that they never explain any of it. His like weird vein things. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's so many gets. things that you just don't, that they don't explain. There's so it's, many things in this movie. that they don't It's explain. super clear that like, he is like genetically modified and like maybe partly a robot or something. It's and, unclear. Like, but it's not important. The th- the only thing that that serves to do is establish like, no, no, no. Sullivan is a monster. Yeah. He's a monster. Yeah. That's what you yeah. need to know. That's it. He's just a monster. Um, he's now I want to go back inside. And, and now yeah. I want to go back and make sure that it actually was a Canadian flag. There's actually like surprisingly little on the internet when I try to Google like images of space sweepers, but it's all good. I give it a little bit of time. I'll, but... I'll I will, but I want to, I want to see if I'm like, if I'm like, maybe I am hallucinated it, but I was like pretty sure that it was a Canadian flag. So we'll see uh cool well you know what i think that's it i think we're good i think, I think we, we talked it. about a lot of stuff like we covered all i wanted to talk about for space sweepers it was great fun times yeah um i'm gonna be a total uh knob and only refer to it as spaceship victory from now on be like no you can i will just say to be perfectly honest though it is just called victory in korean 
Is it? Okay. Yeah, because there was a there was a I translated it because I was like, this doesn't it's not enough it wasn't enough syllables, like the Korean translation of the title, even though it yeah. says spaceship victory, I was like, that's not enough syllables to say spaceship victory. So I wanted to investigate what it what it actually was, and it's just victory. Cause because Asianwiki.com it says that it's spaceship victory, which I don't know. I don't know where they're getting that from, but well, I just if you if you look on the space sweepers like on the on the Wikipedia, yeah. it says in in Korean it has a Hangul uh like words for it, and then it says Sungriho uh, and then lit spaceship victory. So it says spaceship victory is the last one as like a tra- as like a translation, but Sungriho if that's how you say it is that is what the hangul is and that is just victory so it's i don't know that's just semantics I, that nobody cares about but it's yeah no <laughs> it's i uh, yeah it's all i mean i, I don't no, know i don't we'll know enough it, about i don't but know, I know but korean, i so. i want to say that i love so much your impulse to call it by the korean name because that yeah. does that just speaks to me on a, on a level where i'm like there's a lot of stuff in translations that like make or break something and so yeah i'm it's i'm yeah i i support i'm, that, so I'm attempting to to um to to put it into google translate and see what it says cool uh, so I I think this is the thing is that that maybe it's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of both things because it doesn't appear to be able to translate it. It just gives a romanization. It doesn't give like an actual word. Um, really? Yeah, which says to me that that if it's if Korean is similar to kanji there might be like a unique character in here. Like maybe there's something that's like a, maybe part of that actually says spaceship in some way. Nope. Interesting. All right. But cool. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Cause it just, yeah, it just romanizes it for you. It doesn't actually tell you. Yeah. The, when I put that, when I copy and paste the Hanja, which I, the, what what's the difference between hangul and hanja do you know i i've never heard i've never heard hanja before okay this says wikipedia says hanja is the korean name for a traditional writing system consisting mainly of traditional chinese characters uh okay incorporated and used since the yeah yeah that makes sense that it's it's different characters hangul is the translation is like the korean characters so hanja because they yeah they incorporate they would have originally so the the hanja translates on google translate into victory interesting but the the hangul just translated into the romanization yeah so that's uh somebody who knows more about korean could maybe could uh, let us know let us know as we fumble through it on our on our but uh but i'm gonna i like i said i'm just gonna call it spaceship victory because that's a way cooler name and also it just I I probably won't. I will probably call it space sweepers because otherwise I'll. Have <laughs> otherwise to people won't know what you're talking time. about. But yeah. <laughs> but in but whenever it comes up in a discussion, I'm gonna be like, uh, or as it's known in the original Korean, spaceship victory. I uh, just to be that guy every once in a while. Yeah, it's when you're that guy and you don't know that you're that guy. It's not yeah. okay. But if you're intentionally being that guy because you think that it's funny to be that guy, <laughs> then you're all. allowed to lean into it. Yeah. Yeah. 
as long as you're in on the joke and when somebody calls you out for being that guy you're like yeah i am uh, <laughs> then it's okay it's acceptable these are the rules that i have established for myself much like the rules that they established at the end of rise of skywalker that really don't make any sense uh and only exist within the contrivance of the reason for the rule existing in the first place, which is that you decided to bring back Palpatine for no reason, for no reason. Well, this brings the whole story full circle. Does it? No. Does it? No. I don't think it does. I don't think it does. Uh, cool. It's been over a year and rise of Skywalker still makes me mad. Um, it's Fair. a bad movie. Fair. Uh, cool. Uh, well, that's it. That's the episode. We'll be back next week. I don't know what we're gonna talk about next week. I don't know. But uh, I, I, we're not gonna talk about we're not gonna talk about uh, Wandavision yet because we're gonna when Wandavision is done, we will do uh, an episode of uh, it. It'll it'll still be on the Thunderquack feed. You won't have to subscribe to a new feed or anything. But um, it'll be our our Marvel MCU podcast. Right. with myself amanda and curtis and uh and and we're, we're gonna talk about the whole the whole right. thing as thing much I as i love do. all of the shows that are doing like weekly breakdowns on on wandavision which are really cool because they're talking about all of the like here's all the easter eggs here's what all this stuff could mean every episode that that airs i i am more and more thankful that we're waiting until the end to talk about this show oh, yeah oh yeah because the story, like what this show was when we got the first two episodes versus what it was after the third, fourth, fifth episode, like mm-hmm. it, the meaning of this show changes every week as we get more and more of the information. So by the time that we're done, we will have a holistic view of it. And I think we'll be able to talk about it in a really cool way. Um, that'll be a compliment to some of the other podcasts out there doing doing a weekly breakdown the other thing is that it also just means i get to enjoy it on a weekly basis and i don't have to worry about being critical about it until later which we (laughs) were asked recently if we're gonna if uh, we 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 had said a million years ago that if they ever decided to do a superman standalone like series um that we would on the cw that we would stop talking about arrow and start talking about that but um unfortunately uh they weren't quick enough and we 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 finished we're done with the cw but the thing is is that and this is the way that i responded on twitter was um i i want to enjoy superman and lois (laughs) and i think the only reason i'm able to enjoy um legends of tomorrow as much as i am because it is a very very awful show at times is that like I don't have to care. It doesn't matter. I'm not impressing anybody by by criticizing it. Whereas when right. you do a weekly breakdown show, it feels like you gotta be you have to we talked about this all the time. You have to be critical. Otherwise yeah, what otherwise, are you gonna talk about for an hour? Yeah. Right? Like if, if all you're gonna do is blow smoke up its butt, then you're just an hour long commercial free commercial advertising for a show that doesn't care that you exist so what is the point of that there is no point to that being critical is an important part of it when that calls for critical doesn't necessarily mean being negative right right um but it means that when a show is less than stellar which era was for a lot of its run it it becomes a very unfun thing to do on a weekly basis i don't want to get there with superman and lois i want to watch that show and just enjoy a show that has superman on it um 
I don't want to turn a thing that I love into work. I, I, I think that that's, that's the easier way to say it. But, uh, and I think that Amanda is happy to go along with that. Right. <laughs> yeah. If I can speak for you for a second. I'm like, good. You can. Yeah, you yeah. can. Um, and don't worry, there will be plenty of other people. All sorts of podcasts will crop up. They'll cover the first three episodes of Superman and Lois. And then the next one will come out like a week late. And maybe they'll do two episodes at once. And then the next one, will, oh, sorry, guys, we're going to be a week late again. And then that that next episode will just never come. It just yeah. it just won't ever come. So I, uh, you know, look forward to all of that. Um, but <laughs> I, I no, what whatever I. Um, DC TV podcast has in the hopper there that show will do what we would have done exactly as well as we would have done it if not better so uh, us existing in that context is irrelevant um we exist in this context where we just talk about whatever we want and we can just be happy that space sweepers exists and we can and i i just because i can't get it out of my head and just before we actually finish there's something to it's victory is part of the word but the third i can't figure out the third syllable for what it's translating i think it's just like it's like it's it's doing something to the word victory it's why it's not translating properly is that it's making victory have an implication of being a ship of some kind but i can't figure out the direct translation i really want somebody who speaks korean to tell me what the direct translation is We'll get that. We'll 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 sort this out uh, at some point. But yeah, I think I think that it is. Yeah, there's something unique in there that's making it spaceship victory. But yeah, cool. Uh, Awesome. Well, thank you everybody for listening, and I we'll we'll be back next week. Stay safe, everybody. Wash your hands and be kind to one another. Because remember, COVID is still a thing, and you should still wash your hands. Follow the Thunderquack Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching the Thunderquack Podcast. You can support us in three ways. First, by heading to the podcast service of your choice and leaving a rating and review. Second, by going to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch from your favorite podcasts. And last but not least, by heading to patreon.com slash thunderquack to kick in with your monthly pledge of support and get cool rewards like early access, ad-free episodes, and extended episodes. The Thunderquack Podcast is the official podcast of thunderquack.com. Head to thunderquack.com to discover more great podcasts.